Show. The science of... Teddy Darker is the chief executive of ANSYS. Now, uh, Transnet today hosting the visiting U.S. Secretary of Transportation, Anthony Fox. He's on a trade mission to South Africa, Mozambique, Kenya. And he went to the Transnet Locomotive Assembly Point at Kudusport, and he was accompanied by business leaders, um, the uh, Siabonga Gama, who's the acting CEO of Transnet, um, and then the guys from General Electric, because they're participating in the building of all of these wonderful trains. And there's a big project happening uh, at Donata on the East Rand, where there's the Gabela Consortium, which is building rolling stock for uh, for metro rail. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world of trains. There's still some speculation as to whether or not we'll get high-speed rail links. Is the market big enough? I wonder in South Africa. How train runs empty still far too often in Joburg. Um, but imagine if you had a high-speed rail link from Park Station in Johannesburg to Cape Town, and it took four or five hours to get there as opposed to all day on the car? Would you go? Would you use the train or would you still go for a flight rather? Because ultimately the economics I think are probably on the side of aeroplanes. Durban, Joburg there was talk that we might get some kind of high speed rail link there as well. Well what is the state of the rail network in South Africa. Uh, the reason I've asked Teddy Darker to come in is because his business, well, part of his business of ANSYS, is in the infrastructure side of the rail network. Just explain to us exactly what it is that the railway component of ANSYS does, Teddy. Uh, thanks for having me and uh, good evening to your listeners. We, there are two parts to it. On the infrastructure side, what we do is uh, we look for ways in how we can improve uh, cap- uh, capacity constraints of the network. But we also look at ways in how we can also reduce uh, issues of derailment, improve safety. But, and- are you, but you don't lay tracks. You're not, you're not track layers. You do the smart tech stuff around that. The, the 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 beams and the uh, and and the the girders and the steel frameworks. No, we do, we don't lay the track. And you correctly correctly pointed out what we do is that we work on more high tech technology stuff that works in very harsh environment. And a harsh environment for us, it's an area which has got very high levels of voltage. As you'd know, there's high voltage in that area. And most of the systems that we put outside there, it's actually smart computers that you put on the side of a track side where there's heavy movement and these are uh, lightning and all those kind of things. And and we collect a lot of data about the health of the train as it is passing at 90 k's to 80 k's an hour without it stopping. What kind of trains are we talking about? Are you doing uh, the metro rail trains or are you monitoring the Sishan railway line, for example, from Sishan to Wolfers Bay? We, we do the Sishan. We do uh, the uh, the calling, the one from the Waterbag area, from Emelo to, uh, to Richards Bay, and we also do the general freight. That's the, that's the stuff that we work on because that's the more exciting stuff. Um, but that's also that. So generally you work with Transnet. I mean, so you because again, I'm, I'm still confused as to who owns what and who operates what within the South African rail system because it all used to be Spurnet and it was nice and simple, yeah, uh, and now it's yeah. been divvied up into lots of different chunks. Well, the passenger side is what Prasa does, and within Prasa you have brands such as Metro Rail. Sorry, they are they are Shosholoza Mail and the stuff that they do on the Metro. But we are more on the on the, on the, on the general freight as well as the coal line and the iron ore. But we are also in the uh, in in the passenger rail as well. Okay, train systems. my sense of it is those commercial lines, so uh, the coal line mm-hmm. and the iron ore lines are. Top notch. They top quality. They've been upgraded. They're in great shape. Well, there's still some work that needs to be done to improve uh, capacity. In terms of the lines themselves, you can say that they're in top shape. But 
what you need also is to see how they can you, they, they are you can assist transnet to uh, improve the capacity that they can put because you do get constraints even on those lines and what we do it actually helps in in, in that regard for example if you take our vehicle identification system this is a system that they use to identify and locate where the trains are so with that with that system they can manage their capacity because they know where the train is but on the other hand you know on the O line and the, and the, the, the as well as the call line which you have these are very long trains some of the longest are about 340 wagons yeah, but they, these are kilometers long I yeah, mean, I'd hate yeah. to be in the way of that thing if it didn't if I if it needed to stop in a hurry wouldn't be it wouldn't be a good idea would be messy yeah but <laughs> be, and because they're kilometers long yeah. uh, that is why you need to find a way of knowing what's wrong to avoid a derailment for example how do you know that this particular wheel on this particular axle which is located on wagon number 199 out of 340 has a problem that's the technique in the olden days a guy used to stand on the railway siding and go ding 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 (laughs) ding donk and if it went donk you knew the the, the, the wagon wheel was cracked that was a little bit random yeah so the sort of technology you're using is checking every single aspect of the Rail worthiness of the of the running. Stock. It's, the, it's it's really condition monitoring of the railway the railway the train itself. The guys used to knock. Now we've got what we call a wheel profile monitoring system. Using lasers, we're able to detect if the wheel profile itself is getting smaller, or there's a bend, or there's a flat, and we can communicate that information in real time to a control center, and they're able to stop the train and say, we've got to fix this, otherwise you're going to have a derailment. Do, do the drivers carry spares and sort of jack up <laughs> a, a, an iron ore truck? What did they used to call those guys? Those guys used to go, the, ta- the, the, the ta- guys used I, to tap I, the I'm wheels. I've gone blank at the moment. 31702-31567. There, there were some wonderfully disparaging names. I hope they're broadcastable. But just uh, send me an SMS, please. Those, you know those guys go, ding, ding. Ding, ding, donk. And you'd never wanted a donk on your train. Passenger rail, though, in South Africa is deteriorated considerably. There's still social laws of mail. And there's a, a, I got an email from Rod Cram earlier who, who uh, took the Cape Town Joburg uh, social laws of mail trip. Mm. I did that with my, with my family three years ago. Wasn't blown away by what was happening on the train. But that railway line, it was the made famous by Transkorua, which was one yeah, of those South African soap operas of the 1980s and that was a, a busy busy route hardly gets used now no the, the lines are busy themselves because of the, yeah the lines the lines are busy the issue that we have at the moment in railways is that there's lack of capacity all this investment that is going on from the uh from Transnet's point of view, is to see how you can grow that capacity because there is constraint. Demand for rail services is quite high, and it and correctly so. Because but from a freight perspective, from not, a freight a, pers- not a passenger perspective. But the, the, some of them they run on the similar lines, especially if you go into Durban, for example. You know, they share some of those lines. It's more efficient to do it that way. But rail passenger still has to grow. It's, it's not where it's supposed to be at the moment. And some of them have got to do with the speed at which we're at. You mentioned earlier on we're trying to get high-speed rail. We have to upgrade the network to the kind of rail lines that we have. Uh, with some work around them, you can move probably to about 120 k's an hour on the gauge. But you can't move at Houtran uh, speeds on the lines that we Explain have. Explain that, that to me because, because, I mean, there's narrow gauge, which we don't have. We've got a, like, a traditional, what is it, a, a, what would you call it? What is yeah, the standard the, gauge? The, 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 the standard gauge, what it is, is the, 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 you, look, you look at the width between the two, the two tracks, if I may put it that way. Yeah. The wider it is, the more you can drive trains a bit faster. So if you look at the Houtran, it's a bit wider and more yes. stable. But 
if you go for freight, it, or the other ones that we have, it's much slightly narrow. It's not a narrow gauge, but it's slightly narrower, and therefore you can't push uh, certain speeds on, on that kind of gauge. But our train tracks, I mean, go back to the days of Paul Kruger, and they built a railway line to Lorenzo Marx mm. to get access to ports there when the British uh, ran Cape Town and, mm. and had control of a port Natal and all of that sort of stuff in the days of the old world republics, uh, built for steam trains. Uh, and so much of our rail network harks back to the days of steam where trains didn't break a sweat. I mean, no, they were noisy and smelly. No. And thanks to the British, we have this standard gauge that we have today. Uh, so and that's a good the, thing, right? Well, it is a good thing. But the thing is that uh, if, if, if you have to move now to high-speed rail, you need a different kind of gauge. That is why the Hull train, for example, is a standalone system. It's not integrated to the uh, current metro rail system because of the gauge. No, uh, absolutely. And, uh, and the, the metro rail system works on the standard gauge that freight uses. So, I mean, yeah. that network operates yeah. as a functional but dated system. Yeah, it, it does. It does. But even within uh, the, the uh, standard gauge, you also there's differences in terms of uh, with the one that you have, for example, on the iron ore, although it's within the same gauge from a width point of view, but the density, the weight of the line per kilometer is about 60, kilometer, 60 uh, kilograms per kilometer, for, sorry, per meter, which means that you can put heavy iron ore uh, on it, not general, general freight. It's more like a lighter kind of a rail okay. within the same gauge. Yeah. Um, we, we, we need to talk some more. 021446 Um Yes, I know there were wheel tappers. There we go. Somebody's got it. <laughs> Tapiologists. Yeah. And I mean, it's a disparaging name um, because it wasn't exactly rocket science. I mean, it was an important job, tapping it, the wheel, and you had to have an ear for it. You know, well, that, that's you know, in the in the good old days, that's why we had apprentices. You had to work years for you to get your ear to be so good that you can actually detect the pick up a defect. Yeah, but the problem is that uh, with the kind of speeds that we train travel today, and the distance where they, they have to travel, and the distance, the length of the trains themselves, that's that's very inefficient. What we do as ANSI is that we're able to tell you what's wrong with the wheel or the axle. Whilst your train is moving at eighty kilometers per hour, you don't have to stop and listen using your ears. Absolutely. And uh, so you're putting people out of work. Tapiologists. So uh, the Tapiologists Union is going to get a hold of you. Teddy Duck is my guest this evening. I'm enjoying the conversation with him about the rail network, this, the gauge of the railways, and why we've got a historically a British system that was used um, in South Africa, and we've kind of adapted that across all of the rail network in South Africa, except in the new stuff with Howtrain. So what needs to happen if we want a 21st, 22nd century train system even? The science of the rail network and how it all works and what answers Chief Executive Teddy Ducker, his contribution to it. I made a joke that the tapiologists are out of business now, courtesy of Teddy Ducker. But here we've got an interesting situation where trains are deceptively complicated things. I mean, you kind of think it's on a track. What is there to do? There's forwards backwards stop slow down but trains have actually been quite technologically advanced over the it's, years it's, if you go in a train it's as good as you're in a cockpit that's how complicated they've become and the more complicated they are the more you need a higher skilled person to drive them but what we're doing with technology is to try and uh, make it easier for less skilled people to drive those trains. For example, we have uh, a system called a train cab monitoring system. What the TCS does, the train cab system, is that it informs the driver what speed you need to drive at which particular part of the track. So you don't have to think that if I get to this bend, this is the speed I should drive it. 
that is already in front of you. It's a on bit a like screen. autopilot, then. I mean, not it's, autopilot. Or? It's 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 not in autopilot mode. Although we can do that if 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 the unions or, or everybody allows us to do that. But what it does is that you have a screen with a squiggle which shows you where you are at on the line, and then depending on the, it's so smart that we know if you your train is this long. Therefore, when you're taking that bend or when you're going on this incline or the decline, this is the speed you must be driving at, which it makes easier for less skilled people to be able to drive the train. So we're actually creating jobs because technology should, um, as far as I'm concerned, try and uh, simplify the process. It should. It should. Now you don't have to have a degree to use your smartphone. That's what we're doing also with our technology in the rail business. Okay. We have to take into account the socioeconomic conditions we will live in mm. this continent, that there's a lot of people who are not as skilled as they used to be, and technology can do that. And that's what we're doing. Um, how healthy is the rail network? What is the well, state well, of the it's, rail it's, network it's in fairly health, It's fairly healthy to the extent that it's, it's, it's if we look, for example, uh, within the African continent, we have the most advanced rail network. There's no doubt about that. And we have the maybe even the uh, in terms of length, it's about more than 20,000, 22,000 kilometers of Is rail. Is that how much rail we've got? Yes, yes, about 22,000 of rail that we have. Is in- it all used? But the majority of it is used. The 6,000 is more on the iron ore line and the coal mm-hmm. line and the general freight. And then we've got some secondary lines that are there. But that's a huge uh, kilometrage of rail that we have. And the majority of it is actually okay. What Transnet is doing is first to build new lines where we need them, for example, how to get coal out of the Waterbeck area, you know, the new lines they're trying to put in there to increase capacity and also to modernize in the network itself. But more importantly, they're also looking at how they can use technology to make the customer experience much better. You should be at a stage where you should know where your, 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 your parcel is sure. uh, within a short space of time and you know, that will make it easy for them. I mean, for, for people who would like uh, to go to an era of rail travel and anybody who's traveled around the United States or around Europe knows that tr- rail travel is a great way of doing it. Trains go to city centers. If you're a tourist, you like to go to a city center. City center to city center in a couple of hours. You can go overnight. You can sleep. You can uh, um, you, you can do it fairly easily. Are we going to get to a stage in South Africa where we will have a viable passenger national passenger rail system? I think as our population grows. Uh, those things become more viable. There was a time when it was inconceivable to have the how trend between the airport and yeah. Oratambo and, and, and West Hampton. And, and as, as you heard from the announcements, the how trend is now moving into Soweto, it's moving into Mamela, sorry, into uh, the other parts of Pretoria on the Pretoria West. So the same is going to happen with time when it gets to the uh, long distance part. Will you and I travel on those trains or will our grandchildren do it? Uh, I think we should be able to travel because I don't think we are 20 years away uh, from those kind of things to, to, to happen. Uh, there's a justification for a high-speed rail between Johannesburg and Durban. Is there? I think there is a justification. We've got for com. Why do we need trains? Because of the experience of travel is completely different. There's, there's a market that prefers to go on a low-cost airline. But there's also a market that prefers to go on a train. Now, if you can get the cost. The investment that will be required, the capital investment. Don't we have bigger things to spend well, money on? Well, the thing is, the problem is that uh, Kulula.com will move you from Johannesburg to Durban. It, not, it won't take you to Harry Smith. It won't take you to all the towns between Johannesburg and Durban. And that's the problem. And yeah. for that to happen, you need more airports, which becomes more costly. Moreover, let's face it, uh, the, rail net, the railways is, within, is a, part of a state-owned uh, enterprise. And what's the role of government in business? 
is to create an enabling environment. It's an investment that is going to lower the cost of travel, that is going to lower the cost of moving a product between one city to another. And in my view, there's a case to, to think about that. But, but if we're doing high-speed rail, we need new tracks, we need new wider gauge, we need big capital investment in the next 20 years to make it possible. But, but we don't have to go to 100, uh, 100, 240 or like the one... We don't that, need bullet trains like no, Japanese No, like style. 453 kilometers per hour, what you have in, in Shanghai. No, but 120 k is 140 k is, is pretty good because that's the alternative to road. Because if you're going to go on the bus on the road, it's 90 k to a maximum of 120 k yeah. That's the market you're talking about, and that's not the market that is going to go on the plane. There we go. Totally Teddy Darker, uh, Chief Executive of ANSYS this evening on The Money Show. The Science of the Rail Network. I've learned a lot this evening, and thank you, Teddy Darker, for coming and sharing. He is a service provider to the rail industry. 22,000 kilometers of railway lines in South Africa. That's a huge amount. A lot of it is used. A lot of it could be used a lot more. But, yeah, fascinating insights. Teddy Darker from ANSYS. Thank you.